Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast Season 6, Episode 27. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined once again by Jonathan Pouline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? No comment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, we're off to a rousing start. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, well, that's better. In fact, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot we were supposed to do our thing. Anyway, so we're going to start off with a, a, another, another keen check. Um, he says here in, in our Slack channel that Rutherford received the, the model DS9 from Tendi at the end of season two, episode five, an embarrassment of Dopplers. And I guess he says the comment, the comment that Rutherford says is, wow, this one has Jadzia and an Esri. You can't have too many taxes. Yeah. So, oh, Jadzia. Oh, so which one is Esri is the other Jadzia? Yeah. Oh, no. well, the other Dax. Yeah. Okay, so Jadzia Dax and a Jadzia Ezri, is that the... No, Ezri Dax. Dax is the symbiote, and Ezri and Jadzia were the hosts. Oh, I see, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Right, right. That's, uh, yeah, too bad, I, I really liked um, Barrel. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the headlines. Well, we're starting this week with some sad news, uh, depending on your fandom of Harry Potter and or... Uh, other. Top Gun, Top Gear, Top, top gear. gear, yes, Top, top Gear. gear. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad news today that uh, Michael Gambon, the uh, famous British actor, passed away today at the age of 82. Uh, he is best known as the second actor to play uh, Albus Dumbledore, Professor Albus Dumbledore, in the Harry Potter films after the unfortunate passing of Richard Harris after the first two. Um, he is, uh, beloved by many and mocked by others. Uh, his, his, uh, unforgettable scene wherein he, uh, completely went off the book in, uh, Goblet of Fire and started screaming at Harry Potter for no good reason is still a mystery. I, I, I still, I wish he'd resolved that before he'd passed away if that was the direction or if he just kind of went, went wing nut, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, sad news. Lots of, uh, lots of Harry Potter fans out there. Today, uh, feeling sad, uh, members of the cast, of course, paying tribute. And uh, as, as Tim mentioned, uh, there's a famous uh, part of the old Top Gear track that was named after Michael Gambon, uh, corner that you had to take and uh, was named after him. So Is that because he went up on two wheels or something like that? Or? I believe that is the case, yes. I believe, I believe he took a corner at, at two wheels. They named it in his honor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gambon Corner. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, Bob. I think he was yelling at Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire to, to spur Harry on, wasn't he? Well, no, because like, he, he runs into the room and he says, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And yeah. in the book, it's like he's very concerned because he, he knows that he didn't. And is very like, it's just completely different read on that moment. So a lot of fans of the book series were very much like, what? 
the heck kind of performance. Like, where was he going with this? So, yeah, that one has has always stood out for book fans as a. Uh, I think you missed the mark on that one, Mr. Gambon. But otherwise, he was very memorable in uh, six Harry Potter films and uh, countless other things. He was uh, he was in one of the Jim Henson projects, uh, storyteller. He was in that. Uh, oh yeah, all kinds of stuff over the years. Obviously, a long and illustrious career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in brighter news. In brighter and better news, uh, we finally saw the end of the writers' strike this week. Uh, tentatively, tentatively, the vote is not till next week by the full union, but it has been recommended by the executive that they vote and accept the offer. And so, yeah, 146 day strike for the writers uh, of of uh, Hollywood television and movie writers is over. Uh, there is lots of different articles out there about what they may or may not have gotten. It sounds like they got a lot of the concessions they were looking for. They're getting uh, better staffing. They're getting better compensation. They're getting uh, less use of AI. A lot of the things that they were uh, holding out for. So, I mean, four plus months of being on the picket lines, especially in a California summer, is not exactly the best, most fun thing you can do. But uh, I guess if it paid off in the end, good for them. Now, the follow-up to that is that there is a um, story that they are going to uh, meet the actors and the uh, that are still on strike are going to be meeting with the uh, the studios and the executives of the studios next week, and hopefully they'll be able to hammer something out. Because even though the writers can get back, that only means that some things can get underway, but obviously they can't start filming anything until the actor strike ends. So. Um, and someone, one of you gentlemen, has added in some of the details. Yeah, the LA Times uh, claims here. I don't know how fish. Oh, no, actually, there was a seven-page summary document. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if this was, uh, you know, one of those like, sources say versus uh, something a bit more direct here. But the, the four main things are higher pay uh, for, for the writers, uh, bonuses based on streaming data. So the big thing is they're going to get um, confidential viewership metrics and they can share aggregated data. So they can't tell you that like uh, this episode of Stranger Things had some particular streaming uh, you know, data, but I think they can say like in general uh, across all of these streamers, here's what we saw, you know, up into the right streaming is what I assume they can start talking about more concretely. Uh, minimum staffing, as you mentioned, uh, which this article makes me wonder if there's going to be some you know, changes to, or I should say more rigidity around what we see related to number of episodes. So for series with up to six episodes, three writers must be hired. For shows of 13 or more, minimum staffing is six writers, which can include three writer producers. Uh, hmm. All of this is unless a single writer is employed to write all episodes of the season. So if you're, you know, penny pinching, as you are wont to do as a a studio exec, I would guess you would probably try to make episodes fewer than 13 episodes, right? So let's pay attention to see if we start seeing more shows hit like 12 or 11 or something where they they wanted to do more than 10, but they definitely said absolutely not 13 because we're not going to hire, what is it, three more writers, right? We're going to have three writers up to 12 episodes. That's what I think would probably happen there. So yeah, definitely sounds like a progress for them. Yeah, and then the the AI one is this this article is not very good on describing. It says uh, 
Uh, companies must disclose to writers if any material given to a writer, and I'm quoting here from the article by uh, Ryan Fonder, uh, if any material given to a writer has been generated by AI or incorporates AI-generated material, which is a kind of a weird one. I thought there would be more limitation on there, so I'm kind of curious if this is the, the main thrust of the artificial intelligence uh, topic that they, they want. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think in terms of like the writers were concerned about, and everybody's kind of spooked by AI right now because of the whole chat GPT thing. And they're all thinking, you know, developers are thinking it'll replace their jobs because you can write code with AI and, and writers are thinking it'll replace them because you can write stories with AI. Um, and that, I think the concern was that, that, you know, it takes away from, it's derivative as we've all talked about before, right? It doesn't really, uh, even though it's artificially, you know, created, it's not, any better than the human brain can come up with at this point in time anyway, right? So I guess they were looking for guarantees that they weren't going to get replaced by chat GPT type things, you know? So that's what I'm picking at a little bit, that what you described is what I assumed they would be getting into the contract. But instead, it sounds more like a, oh, you're going to get replaced anyways, and I'm going to disclose it to you that, like, here it is. Uh, <laughs> go go script doctor this, this uh, chat GPT hallucination, you know? Like... I'm really hoping that more details come out because this is the the weakest part of the description here because it's kind of the most difficult thing to describe, I think. So hopefully we'll see future resources that talk about this. Right. I wonder hmm. if the I wonder if that is one of those weird concessions too, where the writers can say, "Oh, you know, you have to let us know if you're doing that," and then as soon as they're told they're doing that, they're like, "Yeah, we quit. We're not doing that." Mm-hmm. 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 Because that's what I do. If I was working on a project and they were like, yeah, we're going to make you do this uh, terrible thing using ChatGPT, I'd be like, yeah, peace out. Yeah. Well, one, one sort of fallout from this is, I don't know if you listened to episode seven of Strike Force 5, um, I found it really weird that they, I think, uh, no, it was they talked about um, the passing of William Friedkin, who is uh, a famous director, writer, producer. And I guess because they're actors or because they're part of the union, they weren't allowed to talk about the movies that the guy did before oh. he died. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so it was really, mm-hmm. really kind of weird, right? So I want to just take a minute and for those of you who listen to Fright Strike Force 5 and kind of wondering, like I was, um, he is the uh, director of The French Connection and mm-hmm. The Exorcist, which were two huge films in the, in the 70s, right? And uh he also lived to live and die in L.A. was one in the in the eighties, and then Killer Joe most recently in twenty eleven, right? So been around the block a few times. And he probably didn't even realize that this guy, you know, was involved in a lot of these. Jade is one you probably heard of. A bunch of tales from the crypt, you know. So, but I think yeah, a couple of the Twilight Zone movie. He was one of the directors on that. Um, but yeah, The Exorcist is a huge one, and the French he, he did the Exorcist, the French Connection, and then the Exorcist, Exorcist, like the next year it was kind of like one two punch. Both were like I don't think were best picture of the year, but they were up there in terms of the Academy's awareness, right? Yep. And back to you, Jeff. Yeah. So we had talked a few episodes back about the uh, physical copy release of Star Trek Picard, and how there was a bit of a problem with one of the scenes that was in it that was supposed to be a virtual effects scene that was supposed to show one thing, but the physical release had actually used the wrong scene. And uh, talking about just that was a bit of a mess up. And it was announced this week, uh, trekmovie.com had an article saying that uh, they are going to, in fact, go back in and uh, fix that error and it will be fixed. 
what I didn't see in there, and maybe I didn't read far enough, but it, I didn't see if they said they were going to replace discs for people who have the, the the first copy or how that is being dealt with. But yeah, so they're going to go back and fix that VS, VFX mistake. Hmm. Yeah, I sure hope they let people swap them out via... I think they've been done like through mail order and stuff like that. I think they've send done that in the past when there's been a, a glitched disc. They usually just say, you know, you send us yours, we'll send you ours. Although, again, right. then the question becomes, do you keep the collector's item messed up one? <laughs> yeah, I think if you're a completionist, then you absolutely keep the messed up one. And you buy a brand new, uh, you know, pristine copy. It happened a number of years back with um, one of the first DVD releases of Back to the Future. They had actually accidentally used uh, a piece of it that was from a pan and scan version of it. And so it wasn't the right aspect. They had basically cut off a chunk of, of the original film and people were immediately like, that's not what that scene's supposed to look like. And eventually they said Mia culpa and, and sent out replacement discs because they realized that they had uh, clearly used the wrong piece of footage. This article points out that the uh, Super Fancy Pants Legacy Edition set also includes an ex exclusive edition of The Wisdom of Picard. So that sounds cool, but I also feel like somebody should create uh, a similar collection that is uh, the sheer blanking hubris of Picard, <laughs> because it sounds like a really good <laughs> sort of collection that you could make, right? I mean, it's kind of enjoying all of the... The hubris moments, because that's uh, that's a great quote. It's a great way to have uh, a little bit of, you know, that full legacy is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yep, that'd work. Um, next up, the trailer. We finally got a trailer. We we're talking about when we we're going to see uh, Doctor Who's 60th anniversary specials. We were going to get a little t taste. While we're no closer to the uh, actual dates, they put out this trailer that gives us a good look at uh, the return of David Tennant and, uh, you know, a lot of familiar faces in this trailer. And yet it still just says November. So we know we're getting the start of the, they're doing three 60th anniversary specials. Uh, they did tease uh, Judy Gatwa's uh, doctor at the very end of the trailer. So whether that means this is all in the one special or this is all leading up to that, they haven't really made clear. But it was uh, a bit of a trip down memory lane with this one. Uh, Tim, I, I know you're a big fan. What'd you think? Yeah, it's good. I mean, to see Donna come back, um, mm -hmm. the, the runaway bride. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was a doctor for a few minutes, too. Right? She was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. In one of the episodes, um, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, they, I mean, they don't, I think they gave it away in the trailer that he actually erased her her memory when yep. he left her, and then uh, so now she has to come back and he has to rescue her again, apparently. So yeah, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, it's interesting that the trailer ends with with um, the new actor. I can't remember his name now. You just said it a minute ago. Oh, Trudy Gawa. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So him appearing as a doctor. So I assume this is going to be. I think it's a three part or three story. Arc, yeah, right. And three episodes. Yeah. I think they're doing three specials. Yeah, so they're going to prop, do the proper um, um, regeneration to the new the new Doctor or after Jody because it went from Jody to back to David Tennant's Doctor, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to it. Interesting. So, is there like any fan theory head canon that uh, would you say her name was Donna? Like, yeah, you know, forgot who she was. Renamed herself to Nellie Bertram and <laughs> moved to the U.S. to join a, a small no, paper she's company. Still, she's Donna Noble, but she, uh, um, yeah, she actually, uh, actually, it's funny. I, I saw her um, 
And what's your actual name again, Jonathan? Um, Catherine Tate. British, yeah. British, Catherine Tate. Yeah. No, I saw her at Fan Expo. And at Fan Expo, they have these tables right, where, where um, you know, you, you go and you pay to have an autograph and that kind of stuff. And they, you know, sometimes depending on, on if you ever pick up your phone as if you're going to take a picture, bodyguards will jump in front of your camera to to, to stop you from taking pictures of, of the celebrities because you're supposed to pay for the pictures, right? Um, but I saw her actually once she climbed over the table and stood beside somebody and took a selfie with them. I thought that was really, really decent thing for her to do. Right. So considering that, you know, like other celebrities, you have to go to the special line and yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And I, I know Tammy's Tammy Coron, who's been on our show, David Tennant's her favorite doctor and, and Donna is her favorite companion. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think those two have a special place for a lot of people and not, not, uh, you know, Matt Smith and Karen Gillen are my favorites, but, uh, yeah. but those would be. Pretty close to number two. Mm-hmm. Now all we need is a date. A date would be good. If anyone is affiliated with this knows, a date would be good. Well, I mean, that's the thing about Space Channel and Doctor Who. and They just kind of like, it just kind of shows up, you know, like without much fanfare. But as in the past, I think last year, you, you your friend told us about it being coming yeah, on, right? Yeah, a friend of mine who uh, yeah, used to work there. The, this will be different, though, because this will be the first year where... The North American host for Doctor Who is Disney Plus. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. So that's a shocker. Yeah, I'm hoping what that means is we'll also get the back catalog there too, because right now there's no uh, um, like off the top of my head. I don't think there's a Doctor Who streaming source. Yeah, no, in... no. You're on, I think it's on Crave. I was is watching... it still on Crave? I thought it, I, I thought watching... they'd taken it off. I don't know. Let me have a look. Because because uh, I was watching. I went back to, I think I was in the middle of um, the first Christopher Eccleston season. Oh, yeah. Um, three or four episodes in. So it looks like there's 13 seasons on Max. I just did a quick search here. There was nothing on Crave anymore. You're right. Yeah, I, I oh. seem to recall seeing that they were taking it down because they did have it as like a featured section for a while because they had it all. Mm-hmm. And now it's gone. Let's go to Just Watch and see what it what it has to say for it. Because this one thing which always annoyed me about, I mean, just mind you, it's British television, but those um, video sets and DVD sets were always super expensive for Doctor Who. Like, yeah, way more than I'd ever want to spend, right? Yeah, I think Doctor I have Who. maybe two or three of them. I think uh, uh, our friend Rick gave me the first season because I think that was how you and I yeah. caught, caught up with it. And then I bought one of the Matt Smith seasons because I didn't want to have to wait to to have it come out and i wanted to catch up so so the original season original series which is i think 26 seasons it says hmm. um is on britbox or a couple of seasons are on apple tv but britbox is oh season one britbox so it doesn't really say where you can watch it but yeah it seems to have disappeared into the ether it's in the the, the what's it called the world between worlds <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's it's quite conceivable that all they pulled all the rights back because I believe uh, they they are going to be licensed over to to Disney Plus. So I would hope that in the in the oh, 16th anniversary month, I was watching on Pluto, yeah, Pluto TV. Yeah. Are they showing the new ones or just the old ones? No, no, I was watching some uh, John Pertwee and David and um, Tom Baker series, oh. but that's what I remember. I was I talked about a couple of three or four episodes ago where. Um, like one story was like three or four episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like they had longer arc. They had maybe three three stories per season, kind of thing. And uh, like traditionally in England, you get six episodes per season. But I think Doctor Who was like one of the exceptions, you know, which is why like Luther was only like you know six episodes for one, two, and three. 
Oh, you know, it's and, less than that. Was, they, wasn't one of those seasons like three episodes or something? One of them was really short. No, he did. He did a special one. I think season four was like that, right? Yeah. Um, and then now the now the movie came out. But no, they, they did season one and then season two, and then there was like a gap, and then they they showed him a whole lot of money. Maybe let him wear the crown jewels for an hour or something. <laughs> And he came back and did uh, the third season because he had already got off and he did The Wire and the other things. Um, Idris Elba, I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But it's typical that, that England, like, um, same with the uh, Doctor or Sherlock Holmes. They only did two seasons and then they had to show them a big bag of money to come back and do the, the third one, which was Hounds of the Basket. But I think that's what you're thinking about. Mm. Doctor or um, Sherlock Holmes is only three three stories in the last season. Yeah, they're, they're, I remember them being really short too. But then they do like the episodes were like an hour and a half each too, so it's almost like movie, mm-hmm. movie, movie, right? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, oh no, it would, that's what it was. They did they did three like two hour episodes. Hmm. Like normally it's an hour long, and they do six shows for in British seasons. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure we'll get fact checked. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Keen, hit me with the head with a whatever fact. All right. Anyway, back to I made this time. The good news, everyone. Uh, I'm just going to read the title here. Uh, Amazon is sticking ads in Prime Video shows and movies unless you pay more. So, uh, hey. look here in the U.S., United Kingdom, Germany, and Canada doesn't get left out uh, mm. early 2024 with uh, later that year, France, Italy, Spain, Mexico, and Australia joining the you're going to get ads injected into your Prime Video experience unless... Uh, this mentions here for U.S.-based Prime members. Don't know about others. You can get an ad-free experience for an additional two dollars and ninety-nine cents per month on top of your existing subscription. So, is that because Jeff Bezos could get his rocket off the ground, or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, metaphors, right? <laughs> right, that's a good one. Um, I mean, it's not surprising because I think for a long time, uh, in my own calculation, I've said, well. We'll never get rid of Prime Video because we have Prime for other reasons in our household. So it's effectively, mm. you know, a zero on the budget line. So they make it a little bit more similar to, um, you know, the with ads experience I have on Paramount Plus or the with ads experience I have on Hulu. Not that big a deal for me personally. It's like this is why nature gave me a smartphone so I could do something else <laughs> while they're showing a, an ad of something completely unrelated to my interests. And you beep, just beep, beep this just in this just in yeah i saw this actually the other day and i meant to paste it in there but uh, jaime's uh uh amazon prime video story tweaked my memory so i got an email the other day from the good folks at disney plus announcing that they are going to start their very own crackdown on password sharing starting in november and they've also outlined that they are going to uh, launch its own ad-supported membership in the fall and have said, oh. basically, if you either you have to accept the terms or cancel your service. And if you don't accept the terms and you don't cancel your service, they take it as you accepting the terms and you basically have like a week to decide. Interesting. So I guess COVID is really over, right? <laughs> so... They're doing the same thing that uh, that Netflix did. So for seven ninety nine extra per month, you may what? have another person use your service for you. Uh, but they, yeah, cannot. They will not allow you to, I guess, use a second location without some kind of validation. And uh, yeah, apparently, it's all going to uh, come with different rates and all kinds of good stuff in here. So. Yay. Yeah, yeah. 
because that's what we need to do is spend more money. So just for those looking to backtrack to our second story of the night, uh, this, this, this just basically means that the writers are getting a really good deal and you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> We agree not to use, we agree to use, not use AI, by the way, you owe us another eight bucks a month. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that, um, uh, I want to, I'm just Googling here and I'm getting, I'm getting price increase too, as well on Disney, right? So, yeah. Um, I'm going to get your article here in September 26th, just for those who are driving at home, typically costs eleven ninety nine a month, right? Or an annual of 119 Canadian. I don't know what it costs in the United States. Prime, it says a seven is nine ninety nine. I thought we get it with um. Don't you get it if you're a member of Prime? You get automatically get um, Amazon Prime. That's how I get it. Yeah, all of these things are sort of needlessly complicated because they've you know you've got the traditional Prime service that you can pay monthly or you can get it slightly cheaper if you pay all at once for the year, and then they yeah. unbundled the Prime Video piece from like the Prime shipping piece. It'd be like, all right, if you literally just want a video. It's very similarly some smaller amount per month or a slightly smaller uh, amount in aggregate for paying up front the entire year. And the, the Disney Plus uh, thing, I got an email from Disney Plus saying, oh, yeah, like you're going to need to you know, make your decision or change. I'm like, great, let me go in. Let me choose out of this table of uh, values that you've given me. Let me choose this one right here that has ad-free Hulu, ad-free Disney Plus. And, uh, uh, anti-kudos to their development teams who have not allowed me to seamlessly do that now. I have to wait till October to make the change, apparently. Kind of a bummer. Uh, you would think they would make it or prioritize making this an easy thing of like, you know, if I can pre-order like an iPhone or a set of shoes, why can't I, you know, quote unquote, pre-order this change that clearly I will be paying uh, more money than I am now to them but uh less than i would be paying if i got these separately it's really kind of weird yeah. okay tim you gotta so make the noise you... you gotta make the noise again the noise do, 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 do. more breaking news i just found a tech radar article that outlines the the increases in costs yeah no i, I was just gonna paste <laughs> i'm waiting for my i'm waiting for my oh here my ipad finally caught up i was gonna paste in the link too oh okay well Let's you all go. paste links in Everybody, everybody <laughs> stop the show paste in. let's all paste links in i can't get the stupid cursor to show up on this device there we go okay there's my link all right don't want to don't want to feel left out on this article all three of us have posted something no on. no bring bring it in bring it in bring it in all right so cool all right let's talk about tomb raider yes we have the uh, the first look we don't know when this animated version of tomb raider the legend of laura croft is coming out on netflix other than sometime in 2024 uh, but it uh, it looks nifty i enjoyed the castlevania series on Netflix, and there's a new one that just came out that I uh, have not had the chance to watch. So hopefully, hopefully it does uh, does real good. Hopefully, they do a decent job on the stories because the stories in in well, I like the I like the third movie. I didn't like the first two movies. The stories were kind of lame, but or maybe it was the stiff actor who was playing Laura. I'm not sure. I feel like you get a little bit more of a suspension of disbelief, and they can do something a little different with an animated series well, than you know a couple hour live action movie. So that might help things as well. Yeah, I think I think the whole the whole thing about Laura Croft, if you played the PlayStation games or even the Mac games and the PC games, you had to really suspend disbelief because it was in the early days where the whole world was made out of three by three foot cubes, right? Even though they were all, you know, 
animated, whatever, but she only moved three feet at a time. And then when she jumped and grabbed on with her bare fingers and supported her entire weight as she landed and then was able to pull herself up, sometimes doing a, a, a walkover handstand. Um, yeah, you really had like it was it was all about suspending disbelief. It was all about just animating a character, I think, and, and the way the world, the way that 3D worlds worked back then. Right. So I think I, as a purist, Laura, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider player, I think, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of uh, um, suspension of disbelief is required to play that game. So yeah. Not surp- I mean, now that we're live action and whatever, you know, CGI is caught up. But yeah, it was fun. Even even the, the last uh, um, iOS app that they just came out with um, recently, like in the last couple of years, this company out of Montreal has been doing them. It's the same cubic world. Like you, she only moves in three foot increments, right? Even when she's running. Mm-hmm. But that brings us to the main part of the show, which is to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks this week. This time we're talking about Season 4, Episode 5, Empathological Fallacies. Are those real words? Because my, uh, they're not real words? Uh, Fallacies is, empathological is not. Oh, yeah, but fallacies is two L's, that's what the problem was. My Ah, my spell check was, was yelling at me. It says empathological, or it was actually two words, but I guess you put an A in the middle, you make a new word. Yep. Welcome to the structure of a German language. Because going to say, it's... welcome to portmanteaus by, uh, by Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Right. Empath and uh, logical fallacies being the combination there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Empathological. Gotcha. All right. So, elevator pitches. I had... I, oh. <laughs> I wrote uh, Troy Tropes Trio. Troy Tropes Trio. That's pretty good. Troy Tropes Trio. Yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah. Loxana Troy, not Deanna. So... Yeah, but the alliteration is what I was going for there. Yeah, was Luxana no. one of the characters? No, but the the Betazoid uh, uh, illness was from a, a classic episode of DS Nine. Oh, was it okay? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I had I uh, only an idiot can't tell the difference between vulcanized telepathic projection and Betazoid telepathic projection. Yeah, <laughs> mine mine was actually going to be the title of the uh, title of the episode. Um, Vulcan like an MFR. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, that was a very rousing speech by Mariner. Yeah. By the way, just speaking of that, you know, I just I just noticed as I, I went back to watch uh, um, uh, Rutherford's the last episode. I want to see what that model was again. But but when I when I paused the show and went back, it said, you know how they always have the the, the rating in the top corner, and they tell you like you know you know whether they're smoking cigarettes or whatever. It said coarse language. Now I don't know about you, but every single bleep in there was like there was nothing coarse about it, other than a bunch of bleep. But I get, are we supposed to infer that it's still considered coarse language? I mean, I guess what they're doing is is leading you down the garden path, and if you know, you know, and if you know, you know, then you know it's a swear word. So right, and if you don't want your kids walking around going bleepity bleep bleep bleep, yeah, yeah, then, too late. That ship yeah. has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know your kids. Yes, yes. yes. I was bleeping. I was bleeping at the age of seven too. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. There was lots of action in this one. Yeah, I, I, the one bit that just made me laugh and was also a great pew 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 was uh, Doctor Miglimo Miglimo versus the Replicator, uh, where at first he sort of loses his patience. He has this emotional outburst and he he smashes the uh the the replicator and then later on we see him firing a phaser at it and then we see him wailing on it like they just keep cutting back and he just keeps getting madder and madder that made me laugh cuz he's just such a funny and then character when the, the the illness is resolved he just sort of whistles walks away, and walks yeah. away right? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah that's good yeah i thought the uh the uh the, the i don't know what they call themselves the strike force the 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 what do they call the poetry the slam poetry oh yeah yeah uh, the security officers yeah yeah when the red alert comes along and, they're, and then they're running around and, and boimler's trying to keep up and yeah wait for me guys yep yeah yeah and of course the beta zed's on the on the on the uh with their their stun sticks or whatever you call those things yeah right? the lipstick stun sticks yeah yeah, the, the Zoids, as as uh, bon, uh, or no, Mariner calls them, the Zoids. The Zoids. They did have, uh, what did they, she called them at the point, the Betazoid Intelligence Agency, the BIA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you have, Jaime? I had the generalized pew-pew-pew of the crew chaos to retake the ship. There's kind of a lot going on there in the background with, like, people with various weirdo objects in various states of undress. The <laughs> alarms are going off, you know. The general chaos is what I wrote there. Yep. Well, there's, there's always a, that's another Star Trek trope, right? There's, there's always an episode where, I mean, I always imagine Sulu being all sweaty with the, with yep. the, the foil, right? Yep. Um, you know, there's always been a, let we all go crazy. Cause I think in the second, I think first season of, um, TNG, the, the scene where data and, and, um, Yar, yeah. Yar end up, you know, going and trying out his, his equipment. How functional are you, Data? Yeah, but but that was there was a crazy. Uh, is it? It's not a mock time. It's what's it called? It was called um, the naked. The, the naked, naked now. I think naked time was the, the naked... original, and that one was the naked now. Right. Yeah. So this was, was, homage, this was kind right? of the because I mean there were people scantily clad in this episode too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the same you know same sort of thing. Some something takes over the crew and they all start losing their marbles, right? Yep. Easter eggs, Jaime. You you had to have loved some katsu. I think I I missed the... Oh, so when when, uh, Shax is about to lead Boimler into the security room and he doesn't know what's inside, he thinks it's going to be like martial arts training or something, and he goes, Tsinkatsu! And that is a reference to the uh, one of the cheesier episodes of Voyager that featured a crossover with WWE wrestling that featured the rock in a bit of mixed martial arts kind of uh, combat sports episode of Voyager. That was called Tsinkatsu. That was the name of the, mar- the martial art that they, they did in the Delta Quadrant. Ooh, that's a good catch because I do remember that episode, but that uh, that reference went over my head. And there was some game that, that um, Riker used to play, right? Like a ball game or whatever? Oh, it was like, the one where him and his dad beat the crap out of each other. Isn't that one? They did one of those with, um, with Mariner uh, last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they mentioned, this one had like a reference to everything, because they had that one, which is a Voyager, and they had uh, Xanthi Fever, which is the one from uh, DS9. That's the one where Loxana goes to DS9, and she can't control her emotions, and she projects them onto other people. And they mentioned... Uh, Bendai Syndrome, which is the episode of TNG with uh, Sarek, and Sarek can't control his emotions and is, is influencing other people. And then later in the episode, they had uh, a poster from the security office of Malcolm Reed from Star Trek Enterprise. So they're covering a lot of bases in this episode. Yeah, I was initially thinking it was like the, the Man of the People episode from TNG, where the ambassador uses uh, Deanna Troy as kind of like a dumping ground for negative emotions so he can stay calm in negotiations. Yep. Yeah, no, I think it's supposed to be the one where Sarek is, uh, he can't control himself, right? Yeah, because he's getting old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that was the joke in this one. She's, I'm only 62. You look great, by the way. Yeah. 
62. Oh, you look great, yeah. I, I did write that as a little bit of an Easter egg because it's uh, to Lynn's young age of 62 is very similar to, to Paul's young age of 65 that she mentioned to Trip Tucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a running gag. At one point, Mariner says, you're, maybe you're just having a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Worf, son of Moog, mentioned in the slam poetry ceremony. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and there was a bit of a dig on uh, the, the Bajorans and their prophets when they're doing the, uh, the tarot deck. Ooh, this is a good one. It means rebirth. They all mean rebirth. <laughs> right. Uh, did we know before that uh, Cations used to, Cations used to hunt and eat betazoids? <laughs> they <probably laughs> eat synthetic uh, betazoids, betazoids yeah. now? No, that's a new one, but it's pretty okay. funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which brings us to the quote section of Mama's eating good tonight. And Dr. Ta'ana <laughs> all raged up goes looking for for Bajoran meat. Yeah, she says you you didn't bring a um you, I didn't know you were bringing a buffet, she said. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny that they're all laughing about it too. Like the Bajorans are, are the Betazoids aren't mad, right? They're just like, "Oh, that was a long uh-huh. time ago that they used to eat us, hunt us for sport." So this is, I'm going to do the quote for this first and then the big questions. The quote is from, doc, uh, from Captain Freeman. This is sick bay. Hangover cures, prophylactics. Well, it's all available right here. And the question is, can't you just replicate your own prophylactics? Do you have to go down and see Dr. Ta'ana if you want condoms? <laughs> well, maybe they're restricted in the, in the replicator. Like they couldn't send out, they couldn't send a message today because of the, they had their own high security, right? And also on... Uh, I would like to just say that I really hope by the 24th century, maybe there's something better than email than prophylactics. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as always, so many funny quotes in this one. Uh, when Ransom gets shot down, come on, give me another chance. I can be distant and unavailable. <laughs> yeah, I had that one, too. <laughs> uh, the the one that sets uh, when Dr. Uh, Miglimo Get set off. I said regurgitated soup, soup, you stupid effing replicator. This barely tastes like it's been in my mother's mouth. Um, <laughs> Mariner to, to Lynn. Great job. You really Vulcan did up out there. Where I drew my uh, inspiration was, I'm sorry, I mistook Vulcanized telepathic projection for Betazoid telepathic product- projection. I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, around your other Mariner quote, I wrote down the... I wish I could roundhouse kick this situation in the face, but I can't. It's one of the rare types of problems which can't be kicked. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Almost always Mariner wins the quote ability scale. Like she gets the best lines. Well, except that, that um, yeah, the, the, the Vulcan like an MFR is what yeah. Talyn says, right? Yeah. This, uh, so they kind of move forward the the underlying season plot of the mystery thing. So they said the Betazoids yes. were aboard looking for clues into the mystery thing that's been destroying things. And now clearly, obviously, Starfleet's aware that this thing is going around destroying things. And they have a picture of the mysterious thing, but still no real answers. So I don't know that there's much to delve into other than to say to be continued. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the Romulans. Um warbird that shows up oh, on the edge of funny. the neutral zone and they're like oh <laughs> we'll go lurk away. somewhere else yeah <laughs> what did you expect yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no this again this show continues to be just on point as far as as seeing the tropes and fully waving at them as they go by 
And so what's the significance? I did notice, I noticed, I recognized Wendy Malick's voice because at one point I wasn't looking at the screen and, and I heard her voice and clearly recognized her. But so the other two, well, Rachel Drack, I didn't catch that one in the show, but. Yeah, so the, the brown-haired Beta Zed was Wendy Malick. I picked her, her voice immediately. I mm-hmm. knew I knew the one for Dolorex, the, the one with red hair, and that was Rachel Dratch. And then the one with the black hair and black skin was Janelle James. So all uh, newcomers to the Star Trek universe, but all very famous character actors and comedians. Um, yeah, they're... That girl. Yeah, I know that girl. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Rachel Dratch, SNL, Wendy Malick, she's been in so many different things, and she's always super, super funny. Um, and Janelle James, a great comedian. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, nice to see some more new faces mixed in there. It's fun that they're they're letting other people play in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. You forgot it's Romulan Ale O'Clock somewhere. <laughs> it's Romulan and Romulan <laughs> Ale O'Clock somewhere. I, I can't wait till that hat shows up on the uh, StarTrek.com site. Just scrolling through your notes for any more gems you forgot to mention. Oh, sure. Last week you made fun of my notes, my copious notes. <laughs> yeah. My occasionally overindulgent notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, where are we in the season? This is what? Okay. This is five out, of, five out of 10 now. Yeah. So, we're going to get we're gonna get revealed at some point. It'll be yeah. Thrawn ship or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. From the galaxy further, further away in Star Trek. No, wait. That's yeah. the Delta Quadrant. We did that already. Mm hmm. Yeah, how many quadrants have we? Which quadrant are we? We're in the Alpha Quadrant, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. But we haven't done the Beta or the the what's the letter C? SETI. Um, letter C is SETI. Alpha, Beta, SETI, Alpha. Delta, Epsilon. Oh, SETI. Okay, right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, did you have big questions? Because like I was struggling for one other than sort of the the meta one. So we had some of Talin's character arc partially resolved here right where mm. she decides to stay on the cerritos um but there was mention in her discussion with mariner like it's kind of messed up that your captain like you know flipped out and and had you tossed over here for what's rather you know minor inconvenience yeah uh, it, rather minor insubordination so i do have a question here of like will that come into play later in the season you know somehow the vulcan captain has to learn a little bit from his uh is a uh, former ensign and, you know, save the day somehow by listening to his gut or uh, whatever it was she had decided to go rogue on and thus complete her character arc. Or the Vulcans will be the next victims of the mystery ship. Mm-hmm. And she won't have been on the ship and then it becomes personal. And then it's Tillin out for blood. Yeah, no, uh, you have a much smarter big question than my, can't you just replicate condoms? So you win. <laughs> And also, seriously, we can't just, like, zap it with a laser. We can shave with a, like, we see Jordy LaForge shaving with a laser. We can't use something to, no, nothing? All right. Jordy shaves with a laser? Yeah, we see that in one of the original TNG episodes. I think maybe season three, season four. At one point, he's standing in front of the, the mirror shaving, and he's got, like, a little laser shaver. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I often wondered why, how, how or why they, they shave on those ship. Because can't they just, you know, replicate no hair? Hey, those pointy Star Trek Starfleet uh, uh, sideburns aren't going to do themselves. You need some some good grooming materials to do that stuff. True. I thought only Kirk had those. Did any other other people have those? Yeah, there's a few characters that have had that over the years. The the little swoosh sideburns. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now should we move on to Ahsoka? Yes. The big questions. Ahsoka, Star Wars Ahsoka, part seven, dreams and madness. Hmm. So your pitches? I had uh, Ahsoka and company learn it's really hard to win a game of checkers when your opponent is playing chess. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Ahsoka races to find Sabine and Ezra, while Thrawn is perfectly willing to run out the clock. Uh, how about resource management Thrawn style? <laughs> Acceptable losses. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how happy I am that they actually cast Mads Mikkelsen as this part. His voice is just, just dripping with like performance. It's so good. He may not be like the exact, you know, the stature, the some of the little finicky details, but my God, is he good? His voice is so perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where we go now? Do we go to best pew pew yeah. or Easter egg? We do some pew pew. So pew 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 in this one. Yeah, it was a very pew pewy episode, um, especially for one that in the end really didn't move things forward that much. Um, I love the the unarmed Ezra stuff. The uh, you keep the lightsaber, Sabine. I've, I'm good as he goes through and just starts whooping butt with no uh, no need for a weapon, Nothing just the using force. the force. Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool because we we saw Ezra in the last episode. We didn't really see Ezra. We just sort of got like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. So this is the first time we get to see Ezra. Being a being a Jedi, being a being a a real force wielder to be reckoned with, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, because I mean, to me, in 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 the Rebels, I know in the, the the later seasons of Rebels, he's meant to be a Jedi, but he still looks like a kid to me. Like you know, like I don't know, maybe it's just the. Well, I mean, he's still supposed to be so- young. I think at the at the end of the series, I think he's still only supposed to be like fifteen, sixteen. Like he's he's supposed yeah, to be but young, he's, but he still has some impatience, even as a Jedi, right? Because well, that's and he, what, um, he dabbles in the dark side uh, with with Maul at one point, right? He has the the holocron, yeah. he has the Sith holocron, and he's trying to open it, and so he's mm. he's always had a little bit of an edge to him. Although it seems like he kind of resolved that uh, towards the end of, of season four, but uh, yeah, he was always mm-hmm. a little a little little edgy and a uh, little little dark, maybe. Yeah, and you're a pew pew, honey. I had a few, uh, had the, uh, save the whales moment that was <laughs> very interesting visually, you know, the, the mine trap, the space mine trap that they had. Um, and maybe the most non-traditional as pew 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 was that, uh, you know, Senator, uh, Leia Organa, she wasn't even on the court and yet she dunked all <laughs> over Senator Shono. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple of articles that I thought were pretty misleading, the headlines on them this week that said, you know, Star Wars resurrects this character. I'm like, what? I mean, you know, the story is chronological. She wasn't dead at this point. So it's not like they brought her back to life. They just kind of name dropped her. I mean, I think bringing back Tony Daniels is a bigger deal. Tony Daniels? They actually brought Anthony Daniels back as, as C-3PO. Oh, C-3PO. Yeah, yeah. That was really weird. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, again, you can debate the merits of whether that was you know, an unnecessary cameo, but it was still, you know, C-3PO, man. Yeah, they, they pulled that one over on us. We didn't, we didn't see that coming. No, no. I mean, there's no world in which I thought, well, we'll probably see Anthony Daniels reprise his role. Although he's been in every single series, right? 
Was he? I'm just trying to think. Was he in? Was he I in don't know. Um, has, he, has he been on the? He's been in the movies. He's been in all the movies. Yeah, that's what I meant. But I mean, yeah. But was he? Was he in? Um, oh, uh, I don't think he was in an Andor. Kenobi, Kenobi. He wasn't in Kenobi because. But you're you're right. Um, he was. Al- he's one of the like true constants. Yeah, but Alec Guinness never recognized him when he saw him in episode four. <laughs> I don't seem to recall owning. Oh, that guy! I just gotta pretend I don't know him. Yeah, or isn't that the one that the Darth Vader made when he was a kid? Yeah, I look at it as more like you know, I've got this brand new uh, iPhone 15 Pro here. You know, if it was not talking to me, if it didn't have its screen, if you took mine and you threw it into a pile of a bunch of other ones that are similarly colored, I probably wouldn't be able to find it all that easily. Or you know, ten years from now, remember that this one was mine versus just being yet another one that you might see on the on the street. Oh, yeah, like the, that's the a harsh blow are... for droid rights there, Jaime. <laughs> I think that's how they treat them, though. They treat them not as uh, sentient or semi-sentient beings. They treat them more like, you know, just tools or, or phones. Like <laughs> AIs? Yeah, no, they... they yeah. Wow. <laughs> but 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 every character addresses their the droid they know as if it's, this is like my dog, you know, like my, yeah. my own dog. It's not just a lab, right? This is my dog, right? Yeah, or a mm-hmm. person. I mean, you know, like... I don't think Luke treats he treats Threepio like he's annoying because he is, but he does he treats mm-hmm. R two like an equal. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, because they they they're, they're uh, same with with um oh what's the, ro- the droid in this show? Yeah, Baloney voices. Oh, um, Huyang Huyang. No, no. The, oh, the little um, like Chopper. Do you mean orange chopper. Orange chopper? Yeah. Thank you, Chopper. Yeah. Like Chopper's a whole character under himself. He's almost like Laurel and Hardy rolled into one. You know, uh, I heard a great discussion on a different podcast last week about is Chopper a genuine like homicidal maniac, and the consensus was <laughs> yes. Like he legit murders people. Like ep- there's an episode in I think it's season three of uh, Rebels where he like straight up murders like an entire crew of a star destroyer. And laughs while doing it. Like, he, he's he's not right in the head. Mm, maybe. I mean, not in a bad way. He's hilarious, but genuinely kind of uh, evil. So, th- so this uh, this uh, senator, what's his name? Shiono? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was just looking at your first quote here. And, and, like, this dude is, there's definitely something going on with him. Like, is he, like, an agent of Thrawn or something? No, I, mean, I think like he refuses to see that that the empire is rebuilding. I think it's willful ignorance, and yeah. I think he is supposed to be the avatar for what's wrong with the new republic and why, and eventually their bureaucracy fails yeah. them and they crash mm-hmm. and burn. I think this is Filoni continuing to hammer into place the pieces that prop up that that sequel trilogy. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, good on him, but man, what a thankless, awful role that is to be Senator Shiono, who's just like, your job is to look like a buffoon who can't see the world for what it is, while we, the omniscient watchers, know that you are a fool. That is yeah. not a lot of fun to play. Well, I mean, then they keep throwing back at Hera about her... her um... I, I again, I get no. I mean, other than like you said, we don't know what's been happening between the end of Rebels and here. But I don't see Hera going out of her way to find Ezra, or you know, at all. Like, and that's what they all accuse her of doing. Like, she's not manipulating the situations to to send you know Sabine off to find 
Ezra, right? Sabine's more obsessed about it than anybody, yeah. right? And it's funny, too, because, I mean, obviously, yes, there are protocols and you're not supposed to do certain things. But, like, I guess the idea is that she, that she has done these kinds of missions before and this was the final straw. But you're like, she took her own ship and her own kid yeah. and mm-hmm. left because she wanted to pursue something on her own. And a few mm-hmm. people that she's friends with were like, cool, we'll tag along. And it was like, what, like five X-Wings? Yeah, a couple people died, which... That's what they should really be ticked off about. Like, hey, you brought these people along and they're dead now. Not like you disobeyed an order. But, yeah, I mean, again, I think this is all just to speak to the fact that already you're supposed to start seeing that the New Republic is a bit of a a mess. And therefore, Mm. it's easier to understand how we get to where we get to when The Force Awakens starts. So it's just chipping away at it. And it's it's fine. I mean, I get it. But. I, I I wish they wouldn't focus so much on trying to salvage that that trilogy, which not yeah, a lot of people it, have again, love for. And again, it, it, yeah, it's it's weak writing in my opinion. Like it just like I'm like, okay, can we get on with it? Just sh- find some way to shut this guy up, you know? Yep. And they do. I mean, they do. You know, the, I mean, having to drag C three PO out and, and you know deliver a letter from Leia is is you know convenient, or or is that the the setup for for that the fact that Anthony Daniels is going to be on the show or whatever, right? So. Or mention again of Leia, but I mean, like, yeah, this this guy's a dick. Like, I, I just like I, I, the least enjoyable part of the show because it's like it's like listening to like Toronto politics or or you know Ontario politics. Like, you know, who has time for it, right? We we know that the the politicians are jerks, and I mean, there are good ones. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you know, like like the sort of like just for the sake of um, it's stupid <laughs> politics, right? That's the part about politics I don't like, right? Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the whole thing, right? It's supposed to be... It's funny, though, because what they're essentially saying is is that no matter how good your intentions, you'll get caught in quagmire of politics and bureaucracy unless you're a ruthless fascist, which is what the Empire was. Well, admittedly, they got a lot of stuff done. Sure, they killed a lot of people. I, I'm not sure that they're really selling the they're right really argument good at resource here. management, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, I think they might, you know. They, employ, a, they employed a lot of uh, they employed a lot of people. They gave them a <laughs> place to sleep and eat and, you know, walk around with a, with a plastic suit on, you know, like. Yeah, you know, three squares and a helmet, you know, just well, saying. It's like, you know, Rand, Randall's argument in, in Clerks about the, the second Death Star, right? You, you know. It, it employed a lot of people, right? So. <laughs> I guess we did uh, see that in Andor, right? Everybody there with, like, had a roof over their heads. They had food. They had clean facilities. They, they didn't even jobs. put doors on their cages. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 Hera, like you know, in Rebels, it's like they. I, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure they were part of some sort of mission or what. I mean, they had all their little missions that they went on, but. But she was kind of left to her own with with the team, like the you know the five or six of them that were there, Zeb and and I keep Kazon. What's the name of the, the Jedi that died? Kanan. Sorry, Kanan. 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 Ezra. You know Sabine. Like the the crew, including um uh the Bumbler robot. I can't remember his name again. Oh yeah, um, the the one they the Death Star droid. No, the, the little guy. trash can, the trash can guy. We were just talking about a minute ago. Oh, Chop- um, Chopper. Chopper. Yeah, Chopper. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, they kind of just, they just ran missions and, and, you know, they, they called in for help when they needed help, but they, they were, I don't, I don't ever remember there being in like an empire, like, like the chancellor of the, of, of the new Republic didn't call her on the, you know, on the hollow phone and say, you know, like they were just on the outskirts doing their thing or, or on Ezra's home world. Right. You know, so 
Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just find the transition to this is awkward because I mean, like, how could she go for? I mean, yes, she's a general, but she was a general in the the series the series before, wasn't she? Hera. Yep, she was. Yeah, so she was left to her own to to do her own thing, right? So I just find it it's an it's an odd transition from from there to here. But let's move on. Let's let's talk about some of the things that they said, maybe. Uh, well, the Easter eggs, I guess they were all pretty out oh, yes. there on Front Street, right? So. The C-3PO talking about Princess Leia, that was a pretty obvious one. Not really an Easter egg. Um, when Ezra is catching up on where everybody is, uh, he, he talks about how the Emperor is dead. And Sabine sort of says, we think so, which is pretty funny. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. talks about the Battle of Endor and then mentions Zeb. So this is the first time and we're like seven episodes into an eight episode series where we hear reference to Zeb. Um, mm. So I'm guessing at this point we aren't going to see Zeb. Which is a drag, because what that means is that little cameo, that little moment that we got in Mandalorian Season 3, was all that yeah. was set up for was, this is what he's doing, so leave us alone when we get around to the Rebels Season 5, I mean, Ahsoka series. And, hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, that, 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 I don't know. I miss Zeb. He's such a great character. Zeb, Zeb and Chop and Ezra are great together. Yeah, the three of them were like thick as thieves, but they they ran most of the most of the stories and capers and things. It was well, they were always just up to Ezra, goofy hydrants. Those three, right? yeah, yeah. So, gotta go find some Melurons. Any other Easter eggs? How did you see anything? Uh, they mentioned Asajj Ventress and Count Dooku. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, Ventress. That one still bugs me, but anyway. Yep. But you got to mention. Yep. So yeah, I guess that's it. They mentioned the three three characters there, and then that's that's their moment in the sun. All right. Quotes. Well, you got all the quotes. Well, I, I you don't know that. Maybe Jaime's got them in his head. Maybe he's got them on a notepad right in front of him. You don't know. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, I have mine in my uh, my notes app. Uh, mine was C three PO's identification. I do not need to show you identification. <laughs> was that the uh, badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Yeah, yeah, because he was trying to uh, bust his way into the uh, do you know conference room, courthouse. I can't remember exactly. Senate? What, what were they? The the big uh, oh, when they were trying to do the court martial, right? They were, yeah, they were yeah, I guess in the court martial court, hearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know who I am? Oh, the food is hot. I don't. I'll need a tray. I get it. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I had uh, yeah the the one that, that we referenced earlier from Hera. Uh, I don't know what frightens me more, the possibility of what might happen or your unwillingness to see it, which, again, is foreshadowing, obviously, the the, uh, the sequel trilogy. Uh, big burn line from Thrawn. Jedi are very good at hiding. They have been practicing that for years. Oh, that was such a nasty mm. burn, especially in that voice, too. You're just like, oh, you dick. Uh, yep. And then from Balin, one parting lesson, Shin, impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. That felt like one of those lines you would see at the beginning of a Clone Wars episode. Yeah, there, there is a big question that comes out of that. Too. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Ezra, when he turns down getting his uh, his lightsaber back, the Force is my ally. That's all I need. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Yeah. That's actually what came to my mind. Uh, I didn't write yeah. that as a quote, but I was like, wow, that sounds so much like the uh, Donnie Yen character yep. in Rogue One. Yep. Yep. Uh, Hu Yang, well, they're all back together. I hope I live long enough to see the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> whipping around another yeah. nasty burn from Thrawn. Ahsoka Tano has lost the one thing she cannot afford to lose: time. Time is very much on our side now, and I shall keep it that way. Resource management. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. He's like such a great villain. 
So I have a different different big question than mm. you do on your your notes here. So so yeah. So Shin, um, when I think it's Ezra that reaches out to her and says, "We can help you." Mm-hmm. You know, as as the the forces are are retreating, um, and she she does turn around and, and run. I guess she runs and joins one of the ships taken off. But like, what is that about? Because she's not re- like you said. She's not really a Sith. She's just a, a Jedi that's been trained by a bad guy or semi Jedi, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you think she hesitated for a minute because she was actually considering joining them? I, th- my take on that was she was weighing her options. Her options were what is most likely to get me what I want because it's there's a line earlier in the episode where Balin is talking and Balin sort of says, you know, go and basically go and take care of them and take your rightful place at Thrawn's side. So like you get to be the Vader to his emperor or whatever. Right. And I think in that moment, we're supposed to have her sort of be thinking, what's my best play here? What's my moment of success? And I don't know. I didn't read that as her being like, well, maybe I, maybe there's good in me. I, I took that as like, what's my best way to win what I want. So I was reading something earlier this morning as I was getting up. Uh, um, there's some fan theories, fan theories around um, Shin and Sabine as an item. Oh, I mean, people have been shipping that for weeks, and it's it's because <laughs> I mean, you know, well, it's funny because there's that weird line. We I think we talked about it back when they did episode one, where Sabine is watching the Hollow of. Uh, Ezra and he says, you know, I think of you as a sister or whatever. And I've had a whole bunch of people who took issue with that because if you have watched Rebels, you know that that's not how Ezra felt about Sabine. Ezra really, really, really mm. wanted to get with Sabine for for a lot of that series. Now, towards the end, mm. I would say it became more of a, a respect and friendship than it was lust, but he was lusting after her for a long time. So it felt weird to have him deliver that line. And then when they finally do reconnect, there's no like heat between them. It's not like she was like, oh, oh actually, you know, so you see me as a sister, eh? Like they kind of have a nice friendly, but there's no chemistry. There's no crackle between them. But during those fights, those three fights now that we've seen between Sabine and Shin, there is chemistry. Like there is heat coming off the two of them. So I get it. Yeah. And also and also the way that um, Shin looked at Thrawn when she finally saw him. Right. So. Does she trust him or, you know, because without Balin, she's got to go deal with him directly, right? Mm-hmm. Which brings us to your big question. Well, yeah, I mean, so this episode, basically, you know, Ahsoka finally gets to the planet. She jumps out of the ship. She comes down and lands, of course, right next to where Balin is. And Balin is basically like, you know, I can't let you interfere. The two of them have a bit of a duel. And, you know, he is... Even when he dismisses Shin, he's sort of referencing the fact that he's there for a larger purpose, that he was called here. He could hear this voice in his head calling him. And we didn't really advance that beyond digging deeper, like he's digging his heels in deeper, that he's not there for Thrawn. He's not there. And it doesn't seem like he cares about getting back. He's there for something. And and they still haven't tipped their hand too hard as to what it is. Palpatine? Palpatine? I mean, I don't think so, because he sort of says, you know, I'm not really here about a new empire. I'm not really here about ruling and power. I'm here for a higher reason. So the question is, like, what? Now, some people have speculated what he's there for is to, uh, you know, do something as far as ending the Je- the Jedi legacy, that there's a sort of a larger contribution to, to being finally done with the Jedi and starting something new. But 
I don't I don't see how that's coming together yet. Well, you also mentioned Maul last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still am curious. I mean, I think I'm going to stick by my prediction that what's being loaded into the ship is sarcophagi filled with, you know, uh, some horrifying evil to be unleashed across the galaxy far, far away, our original Star Wars galaxy. The idea being that, you know, hey, uh, we've already tried uh, robots, so you can kill as many of them as you want. We've had stormtroopers in masks, but then even that's been spoiled a little bit by the fact that, you know, we now know that there's people under those masks, not just clones. So what's the thing that you can have a bunch of of good guys fight lots of? And the answer is lots of dead people. So, mm-hmm. so get ready for the Walking Dead Star Wars edition coming uh, in subsequent seasons. With Daryl Dixon? Is Daryl Dixon going to be in it, too? You know what? It's quite possible at this point. I wouldn't put it past anybody, but uh, I don't think they own that property. It's one of the few they don't own, but... Yeah, Star Wars. Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm really curious to the resolution of this. Of, of all the things that are outstanding, I mean, are they going to get back? Yes. Uh, you know, is this going to continue into the next season of Mandalorian and the next season of, you know, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, whatever they do next? Yes. Uh, is this story going to wrap up in a nice tidy bow next week? No, it is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. This is all about setup for the big uh, next conflagration in the in the galaxy far, far away, the next Star War. So the question really comes to me that I'm most interested in is what is Balin's big play? What is the thing that he's there for? Because he's he's been very very good and and again really sad uh, you know to see uh, Ray uh, Stevenson and playing this part for his final role and he's been so good. I I wonder if he's killed off next week. I wonder if he is left behind next week. I wonder what the what the end game is for that character because. He clearly has one and they've been building to it in a very interesting and subtle way. And again, I'm I'm I think I'm pretty good at reading through these things and I haven't put it together yet. So I'm going to roll that around in my head all weekend and see what I can come up with. But so far, I haven't got it. I was kind of looking at the clock and saying, well, unless it's a two hour finale, uh, they're either going to have a serious hold my beer definitive ending or this is going into cliffhanger territory. Yeah, I mean, I always saw this series as as never intended to to wrap up in a nice tidy bow. This is all stage setting because we know that it's building towards bringing all of these properties. You know, they aren't going to to bring Ahsoka and Luke and the Mandalorians and all this these different parts together again. Sabine's got the Mandalorian legacy too. All of this is going to come together in some sort of giant crossover whether it lasts for multiple seasons before they do this sort of wrap-up movie or however they decide to, to carry this forward, it, there's no way they're not going to milk this for a while and sort of have Thrawn and Thrawn's forces be the big bads as they go forward, especially since they killed off Moff Gideon last season. So, Scale of 1 to 10, how, how psyched are you for the last episode? Do you feel like you're, you're going to get everything you hope this series would be by the time it ends? Well, I don't know. I mean, like they've got a long way to go. They've got far, far away to go. Right. Yeah. Um, but the ship's almost like loaded. How, Come on, Thrawn told us that. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Like, like sneak in, sneak in, and hide in a in a Jeffrey's tube or something? Or well, the the, the Star Whales sure said peace out. The, the Purgles were like, oh, there's mines here. Yeah. Um. Hope you had a nice trip. Bye. <laughs> Which fair. <laughs> Which for the record, and uh, you know, I I love you too. But um, the three of us pop up, and there's a minefield, and I have a way out. Uh, I'm gone. I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. All right. 
We'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the watch list. And you're up first, John. Yeah, uh, so last week, uh, Jaime had flagged that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem was on Paramount+. Plus. I, I had watched the first half of it before we recorded, but I didn't have a chance to finish it, so I did finish it. And uh, it was enjoyable. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't everything I wanted, but it was certainly a refreshing take on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I certainly enjoyed it more than than the live action uh, stuff that I've seen over the past few years. And it's definitely a little more sort of on the cusp of, you know, trying to do something a little bit different. It really does kind of, you know, ground up different take on it, how they got their abilities, you know, all the same through lines. But, uh, you know, they they mixed up. A bunch of stuff and it was fun i enjoyed it they they were clearly going for something a little bit animation like into the spider-verse but it wasn't quite as good in my opinion at sometimes it was a little almost a little distracting that they were trying too hard but i i would say overall it was a solid b effort like it was enjoyable it's resets the foundation for more movies they clearly have have teed up sequels in in this first movie and yeah it uh it's interesting because it almost takes the it almost takes the the route of doing the like the primary villain of this one is who you would have expected to be the villain uh, uh in like a sequel you know like they basically were like no 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 we're not going to give you spoilers we're not going to give you shredder right away we're going to start with some of the other mutant characters, the other different supporting characters from Team NT, and then we'll build up to bigger, bigger and better things. And that was cool. They didn't feel the need to pull out the big guns on, on game one. Right. So that was fun. Yeah. I'd recommend. I mean, what you got for us? That's good. I'll, I'll actually maybe swap my picks here because, um, having watched the super Mario brothers movie, mm-hmm. uh, I would, I would say it's kind of the opposite. Like, you know, it, obviously it did well and it's, uh, it, it's, entertaining in a like dreamworks illumination kind of way but i think they did the opposite of what you just described when i'm like wow uh they really kind of you know shot their shot here i'm like what do you have left for the sequels uh you uh, you kind of packed a lot into a breezy hour and a half movie uh but if an hour and a half is too long for you you can watch this just under six minute ultimate super mario brothers movie recap cartoon which is uh humorously done great style and it it basically is the movie condensed into the most absurd sort of take on each of the scenes uh, very very enjoyable the art style is something i like it looks like they have uh, uh other videos on the same channel that do the same kinds of things so it's kind of kind of neat like uh, i like seeing the mixed media kind of stuff sure you can do short tricks i yeah yeah my my second one was uh the holograms all the way down short tracks which is <laughs> I mean, you can't even write down the Easter egg. So it like not to ruin too much. It starts out with uh, Star Trek Enterprise with Tucker to Paul and I think uh, Reed. Um, and then it's just like turtles all the way down. <laughs> right. Like uh, uh, so many sort of deep cuts into a very breezy, you know, two minutes of, of short trek. So really, really, really well done. I don't want to spoil too much other than. Uh, you know, I was trying to keep along in my head. I'm like, yep, okay, I know, I know what you're talking about here. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wait a minute, now I'm starting to lose it, and it just got to be too much towards the end, which I think was probably the point. 
Yeah, it was it was as as they all have been. It was stupid funny and all sort of plausibly happened. Like I said, like yeah. all, all through through it all. I was like, OK, this kind of makes sense until towards the very end. I was like, well, OK, this is getting a little weird, but maybe maybe looking through the timeline of stuff. Yeah, I think there's I think there's only one more, right? I think next week is the last one. OK, good thing that you knew, because I wasn't sure how many they were going to have. Yeah, I, I seem to recall it was four. Good. Good to hear. Right. Tim not loving so them quite I, as much. No, I just, I mean, like, I'm trying to get to my picks here, but, you know. Um, so I accidentally started watching One Piece, the live-action version, last week. I watched the first episode, and it, it's very strange. I'm like, what is this about? Um, it's it's obviously a crew of, of you know, ninja-type people or, or, you know, talented people who come together, but the one main character with the really weird uh capabilities um was odd and then then i found out that it's actually based on a, uh, an anime <laughs> so you guys probably knew i think i think you know Jaime, it was your pick like a couple of months ago right uh one piece um are you talking about it yeah, we talked it, about it i think in coming in the show it's it's massively popular it's a thing that i have not seen myself but it's got like a bazillion episodes so it's kind of like the the anime and the, the underlying manga have a bazillion it, uh, editions where it's kind of intimidating to get into at this point so the the netflix series is something that has been on my list so i'm glad that you you chose that there and uh i guess do, 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 do. it says here that uh it's been renewed for season two no there you go yeah it was it was, it was interesting enough that i would i probably will go back and watch the rest of it at some point i mean it wasn't like some sometimes you watch a show and you're like oh whatever and it, it was it was refreshingly different i mean a bit like you know um what's that guy it was on mars um the you know the the william s the burroughs story oh john carter um john carter it was a bit like the movie john carter movie um it's a bit like a little bit like um um the johnny depp stuff the the pirates Pirate of the caribbean movie that, yeah. yeah pirates it's very similar to that but but you know i don't know it, it it kind of almost seems like you know it's shot on, shot on the the sets of like Life of Brian too. Like it it's <laughs> out there, you know. Uh, and there's and they're pirates, obviously. So there's there's water involved and boats and things like that and and all that kind of stuff too. So it's an interesting interesting sort of thing to sort of stumble across. I just sort of saw it there and went, hmm, what's this? And just to watch, we started watching it. Anyway, just before we started recording today, I I noticed that uh, First Blood was on Paramount Plus after I watched. Um, the lord x and so i started watching i still got 15 minutes to go back and watch but yeah just a good classic movie if you've never seen the original rambo um they kind of ruined the character in the sequels they used to do that a lot in the 70s they would have a really good movie and then they would bring out a sequel and it would just drive it into the ground kind of thing for money um but yeah like the the it's such a such a good performance you know sort of a um uh mistaken intentions kind of you know cop bad cop corrupt cop you know um takes on this this uh, character who turns out to be like almost like i guess um jason bourne type character too like he's he's got talents that, you don't, that aren't obvious right um but it's interesting too that the, you see St um uh, sylvester stallone standing next to brian dennehy and, and and caruso and some of the other actors that are in it that are you know pre pretty well known how how short he is yeah yeah. yeah. So he's because, you know, always, you always think of Rocky as being this big giant, you know, character, but he's he's actually just a typical Italian, like five, seven, five, five kind of thing. Right. Um, and then uh, I've been binging Justified. That's my my um, this is my my guilty pleasure right now. I'm halfway through season three. 
Um, I probably watch like three or four episodes a night kind of thing. It's, it's a really compelling, it's, it's a bit like, uh, Kentucky's version of Breaking Bad, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's really, really good. And, uh, just, I just, uh, saw here a note on, there's a couple of things actually. One, I should, I did notice there's a Rick and Morty trailer, which I haven't seen yet. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but tomorrow or today or whenever, wherever we are right now, the creator is coming out, which is, um, a sci-fi movie, um, starring, Oh, let me click. John on. David Washington. Yeah, yeah, Denzel's son, right? Um, yeah, so that's that's looking pretty cool. I mean, it's sci-fi, it's modernistic. They probably gave away the plot in the uh, in the. Um, it's a bit like Terminator, I think, in a sense. Yeah, it's basically the AI, away. the AI versus the humans at war, and this is the end game of it. Yeah, sort of thing. So, but it's it's yeah, it's uh, going to be in IMAX uh, this weekend. So who knows? Maybe I'll go see it. We'll see. All right, that's it for me. So I guess that's it for another week. So Jonathan, people are going to touch with you. Where would they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash at JPK. All right. And uh, Jaime, people are going to touch with you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. Still hanging on, waiting for waiting with one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. He's still on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on Twitter, or formerly known as Twitter, uh, X, um, Mastodon, Blue Sky, all those places, Threads, Instagram, look me up. And until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. glad you're enjoying justify because that is uh don't feel guilty about that one that's a great show and it's funny because you think like oh you know i love Tim- timothy oliphant i'm gonna love this show but walt goggins mm-hmm. is the star oh, of that show yeah. he's amazing in that show yeah and you go back well he was also in sons of anarchy right he played a um trans right i have but, not seen and he was also in, he was also in uh he's only in like the third or fourth season of that but um it was also in, uh, it, there was a, a unicorn TV show called The Unicorn. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. I think that was sort of, he was sort of like a single guy, wife had just died or whatever, and his friends were all like, you know, 30s or 40s or, you know, at his current age. Um, and, and his friends were all trying to set him up and stuff like that. But but the weird thing about it is, is like, you, you watch him on Justified and you forget that he doesn't actually have a Southern drawl. He is from Georgia. Right, but he doesn't have that deep Kentucky drawl that, that he has in the show, right? So. Yeah, no, I, I I love that show. It's uh, 
it's so complete. I, I'm looking forward to your your total watch of the whole thing just because mm-hmm. it really has some through lines. Like again, the, the relationships are complicated and interesting. The relationship between Raylan and his dad, the relationship with him and his ex wife. Like there's yeah. there's so many interesting parts to that show. Um, and yeah, like it just uh, it it it. There's no real lulls. It doesn't, there's no spot in there where you're like, ah, oh, that was actually, that season's not as good, or oh, this is a bit of a down. Like, it's just consistently enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it reads, it's funny because it's based on Elmer Leonard, right? Like, and it, it, it's based on one book, right? It's based on, yeah, it's based on like one story that he told and they kind of ran with it from there. And they, they did work in some other stuff from some of the other books, but it mm-hmm. really does feel like uh, a Leonard novel come to life. And what other stuff has he done? Like, that, that people would know. Elmore Leonard? Elmore Leonard. Yeah. Um, I mean, the ones that people probably know the most would be like Jackie Brown. Um, yeah. Which was, the I think, the only thing that... Um, Tarantino made? That Tarantino ever adapted. He didn't write himself. So that gives <laughs> you an idea mm. of how much he loved that. Um, yeah. So that was uh, Get Shorty. Is he the guy that did uh, L.A. Confidential as well? Or Yes. Um, right. he did Out of Sight, he did Get Shorty. I'm just going to look up his, uh, Be Cool, yeah. And these, but these were books, not, not, um, not necessarily screenplay. These right? are books that got adapted. So like a ton of his stuff, The Big Bounce, um, yeah, lots of stuff that he's done has been adapted. But he was a prolific writer. Like he just cranked out books at a pace that most people could not imagine. I've only read a couple, uh, and I've enjoyed them. I have always intended to go back and read more of them. Like I've never read the ones from which uh, Justified is is um, originally conceived. That was Fire in the Hole. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I think uh, from what I have read, it was definitely very. It's sort of neo noir. He writes like a little Dashiell Hammett-y, little like um uh Maltese Falcony kind of mystery novels stuff, dime store novel stuff. Um but just dripping with darkness, bleeding in and around the edges of everything that he does. Like everybody's got an agenda. Nobody is truly good or truly bad. Like the the complexity of this the show where like there are times where you're kind of rooting for for Goggins character even though he's a monster. And there are times when you're like, actually, Raylan's kind of an ass, too. Like, he's not a great guy. So there are times where you really are kind of conflicted. And that's my favorite kind of storytelling, when you get these really complicated characters where you're like, yeah, I'm rooting for you, but I'm not sure I'm your biggest fan. Yeah, right now I'm dealing with Neil McDonough's character, Quarles, Mr. Quarles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the, with the suits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and nobody ever checks his arm. Which I find really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Keep watching. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm halfway. Like I said, I'm halfway through that season. So. Yeah, and you're right. Each season has a sort of through line. And Jeremy Davis is Dickie Bennett. Man. Oh, so good. Uh, he's really good in every movie he's in. He's that that same. I don't know if he ever. I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen him not be a quirky sort of character. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. There's and it, that's the show straight through. Like so many of them, there's just these. Even the sort of side characters have this like layer of complexity and and just they're all very vivid. They feel very real. There's there's not a lot of contrived sort of nonsense. Yeah. You're like, yep, all these people could clearly be people you run into anywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like all tying into the inevitable month I hate the most <laughs> uh, 
October where everybody just has everything horror and blood and guts and Oh really? Oh, oh. yeah, I forgot about that. I can't stand the uh, uh, I, I one of my favorite comedy bits is a bit by Lewis Black where he's basically like if you're a grown-up and you want to dress up and go out for Halloween, don't because you're an adult. You can dress up 365 days a year if you want to. If you want to go to work dressed like Batman, you can. You don't need to wait for a day. That's for children. And that's how I kind of feel about it. Like some people just get really into it. And I'm like, yeah, I was into it too. And then I turned 12. Also, my wife gives away all our candy and I don't like that. She does? Yeah. Gives out candy to children, strangers that come up to the house. I'm like, that's our candy. Don't give away our candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's my job too. (laughs) Giving away the candy or guarding the candy so it doesn't get given away. No, no. Carol goes off and she, she buys all the candy and then she takes in and they go off trick-or-treating and I'm left at the front of the door like a schmuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So me and Max sit there and give out candy, right? So I did, I did very much enjoy the trick-or-treating part when I had kids that were trick-or-treating age. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed going trick-or-treating with the kids. And now that I mm-hmm. don't have kids that age, I want to turn off the lights and, and not go outside. And hide? Yeah. 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 That's just mean. Well, you know where we live, too. The, the opposite side of the street has, like, straight houses, and my side of the street has, like, breaks, because there's, like, two houses, and then a road, and then, like, four houses, and then a road. So nobody walks up our side. They all walk the other side, because there's more houses. You get more candy. Smart kids. I get it. So we buy, like, enough candy that we're going to feed, like, 600 kids, and then, like, eight of them show up. So, you know, I'm like, just turn the lights out. They don't care. They're not coming by. Yeah. Uh, well, our neighbors always used to do that too. Just turn the lights out. They would just yeah. The the next door neighbor, the new the new neighbors have kids, so they they do trick or treating and stuff. But yeah, yeah. No, I just went to the rabbit hole because I, I clicked on Peter Mernick. He's the guy who plays um, Tom. You know the state trooper. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, he on his IMDb page there's a trailer for a movie called Body Parts, which is not starring him. So I don't know why you know what that's about and why why. It's, like on his page, maybe he's a character in it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know the name of the actor who's the star of Body Parts, but I've seen his face before. Hmm. Let me scroll back in time and see if I can figure out who the hell he is. This guy's been in a lot of stuff. It's surprising. Like he's another. I guess he's another one of those that guys. You know. Yeah, they are all all, all over the place. How long ago was Body Parts made? Quantum Leap. He's even Quantum Leap. That's how long. Oh, Body Parts, 1991. Mark Draper. Who's Mark Draper? Mm-hmm. Let me look him up. Brad Dorse in this one. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he played Mark Draper in the story. Hmm. Horror. After losing his arm in a car accident, criminal psychologist has it replaced with a limb that belonged to a serial killer. Oh, I remember that movie. They, they, so the, <laughs> this, is, this is how I have my, my cultural touchstones on these things. I remember that movie because they advertised on the back of comic books. Hmm. Because back in the day... That's what you did to get kids to want to go to your movies was you advertised horror movies and sci-fi movies in comic book <laughs> because there was no internet yet that people were using. Yeah, that's true. Although I don't, I have no idea who this Jeffrey Fahey guy is. The guy who's the he's star? Just, yeah, his face is familiar. He but... was, again, he was one of that those that guys. I recognize him from like a bunch of shows. Yeah, but he, but he was the yeah, star yeah. of this movie. He was a star of yeah. body, body parts, but. He lawnmower man. I guess he. Oh, he was the lawnmower man. Mm-hmm. Mm. That I did watch. Yeah, he was in Lost. Yeah, I remember because he had he has very, uh, very light blue eyes. I remember that being like quite distinctive feature. He's pretty old now. Well, aren't we all? 
Please the old guy in it with the hot girl on his arm. All right, I'm going to call it early tonight because I have to be in the city by 8 a.m. So I'm going to go and Lucky you. get some effing sleep. Yes, I have to go to a conference tomorrow. Yoo-hoo. Which one? Uh, it is the Chima Healthcare Conference. It's, uh, oh, okay. it's not the Excite one. I listened uh, to your show no. the other day. Oh, yeah, the one with Dr. Tam? Yeah, Dr. Tam. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it turned out well. Who's a pediatrician? Yeah. Yep, yeah, she was. Um, yeah. Do, do you do the same? Do you do the same episode in French, or is it you get a different guest on the show in French? We've had people who can do both, and we've had people who have done both in the same month. But I would say mm-hmm. we've only done that maybe three or four times. Most of the time, we have mm-hmm. to get someone because the guests we look for there isn't an equivalent uh, and they, or they're not bilingual. So we, right. we end up having to go find somebody else. So for the French episode, uh, this last one that just got published, we had Dr. Tam and then we had the, the uh, deputy um, chief officer of health, um, Dr. Howard. Is Dr. Duke. Tam bilingual? She be, right? speaks French, but she's not a confident French speaker. She can read. Okay. She can read it. She can speak it. But as far as like engaging in discourse, it's not her strength. So they they said they would prefer mm. to have Doctor New go on in, in her place on the French episode. And okay. um, mm. so yeah, it is what it is. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. See you guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.